Welcome to DiscoveringCommunities.org and Self-Discovery Media. We are knowledge sharers. The Orchard of Wisdom podcast guide you on your journey to self-discovery with a library of knowledge from people who have lived it, felt it, and now share it. Do enjoy our next show and do come and visit DiscoveringCommunities.org to see what else we have for you. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody, and welcome to Discovering Communities, where you are in self-discovery of yourself. We are here to share with you today about discovering about becoming a humanitarian. My guest is Mark Bala, discovering his humanitarianism, and I am your host, Sarah Troy. You know, telling a story that invites and um, inspires us is what we do here at discoveringcommunities.org and it's always wonderful to make that discovery of somebody's trip that they have made in that self-discovery and Mark Ballas was an unexpected discovery, a discovery that was to turn his world upside down. He was so shaken by what he learned that he felt unable to simply walk away. So what is it that he learned? What journey did he take that has led him on his path now into humanitarianism? And, you know, something about humanitarianism is something we need to see a great deal more out there at the present moment, folks. But he's also <laughs> done a wonderful book called The Toilet Warrior. And we're going to find out about that book as well and what that means. So let's dive right in and Thank you for being a humanitarian, Mark, and for taking this journey and allowing it to tap you on the shoulder and redirect you, because we certainly do need an awful lot more people in the world that care. Welcome. Thanks very much, Sarah. It's great to be here, and uh, all the way from Melbourne, mm. across, the, yep. across the ocean to you. It's, uh, yes. it's uh, yeah, very exciting to have a chance to tell my story to, to your listeners and your, and your viewers. A lot of people think humanitarianism is, is that... Um, that is kind of soppy and syrupy and, and like, oh, you know, um, I've even been accused of being a communist because of my humanitarianism. And I think it's very, very misunderstood, isn't it? And it's, I think, just being of service of humanity and you find which is your gift that you're going to share, you know, which is your platform. Take us a little bit down your before you discovered your platform. Yeah, well, actually, just a quick comment on what you said there, uh, that people accusing you of being a communist. I have friends who are right-wing and friends who are left-wing on the political spectrum who are also have very strong humanitarian uh, aspects to their lives, regardless of their political persuasion. So, mm -hmm. yes, that, that accusation of being a communist is certainly uh, not well-founded. Not uh, well-founded, no. Ignorant no. one, because people don't really yes. understand about what humanitarianism is about. Correct. Uh, so I, I uh, used to be in business. I had a business uh, manufacturing CDs and DVDs here in Australia when it, when it was still a very good idea to be doing that. <laughs> yes. uh, not, not a good idea anymore. No. Uh, uh, fortunately, I got out at the right time. I got out at the peak of the industry. Uh, but before getting out of it, I, I started doing some business in India uh, with uh, an Australian partner that set up a joint venture uh, manufacturing DVDs for the Bollywood market. Mm. And uh, and they asked me to join the board, so I then started travelling back and forth to India quite a lot. I was there four times a year for a number of years. I, I think I've probably been to India more than forty, forty-five times wow. now. Um, 
And it was on one of these trips that I, I made this discovery that you alluded to before. Mm-hmm. And I guess the title of my book that you mentioned, Toilet Warrior, kind of gives people an inkling as to what kind of stuff we might be talking about during <laughs> this conversation. <laughs> We're going to be flushing a few things out. <laughs> That's right. Let's dive head first into the toilet, shall we? <laughs> Uh, well, we talk about a lot of things being in the toilet, but when you're talking about India, people really don't know that there are very few public toilets out there, aren't there? Yeah, look, when I first started traveling to India, this, this situation of uh, lack of access to sanitation was a huge problem. And as a, as a tourist, you never really saw it. As a traveling business person, you never saw it. You, you might be on a train or in a, in a taxi or a car going through the countryside, and you'll notice someone going to the toilet in the fields, but then you don't really think about it. You move on. And in fact, most Western travelers who've been to the third world have seen that kind of stuff, but not really taken it on board. Mm-hmm. And I, I was given a, um, an unusual opportunity where I end up taking that issue on board. And having done a, a show on this under my Eco Solutions, um, of how many kids don't go to school because there's no mm. toilets for them, yeah. um, of how many mainstream people even you know all have to hold it all day long, mm. and mm. kidney problems, etc., and that you think in such a high populated country that you know sanitation would be a top of the board, but there's a lot of corruption and money that's being designated for it doesn't always reach it. So, and of course the Ganges, you know, seems to become the toilet bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, uh, is it an economic problem? Is it a political problem? It's, it's a complicated problem. India is obviously a country with a, with a very diverse culture. Uh, one of the, things that people in the West don't understand very well is the caste system. And the caste system is one of the causes of the, the problem that you see among the poorer people in particular, having uh, poor access to, to, to sanitation in particular and to clean water and so on. Uh, and you're right, you mentioned schools. Uh, and that's actually where I discovered the issue mm-hmm. of poor sanitation when someone took me to a school in a slum and there were there were no teenage girls in the school that all yeah. dropped out because of lack of toilets yeah yeah and you just think about that you know not being able to go to school just because there's no toilet in the western mm. world it just wouldn't be what the hell are you talking about but that That's is right. a reality over there and it's a very large reality isn't it it is look i have to say it's improving um mm-hmm. the the work that we've been doing since i was taken to that school has been a small part of it. We've been a catalyst in some areas, but also the Indian government, uh, the current prime minister, Mr. Modi, uh, who is from, I guess you would say, uh, from a, a right-wing party, so a good example of right-wing still having a humanitarian heart. Mm-hmm. He, he started a program called Swach Bharat, which means Clean India. And uh, through the Swach Bharat program in the last five, four or five years, they've uh, been involved in funding the construction of 94 million toilets in households mm. around India. Uh, with with heavy subsidies from the Indian government, uh, which really has made that construction possible. So they're, they're doing a lot of work. And in fact, um, Mr. Modi referred to Gandhi, the of course, the, the great Indian yeah. hero who, who was involved in the, the time that India became independent. And Gandhi actually said that sanitation is more important than independence. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, people actually, didn't listen to him at the time. No, <laughs> I'm unfortunate. It always takes people 50, 40, 60 years to catch up. Sorry. And, Sorry. Um, I did an entire series on, on vaccinations and we were looking at actually, you know, where pandemics come from. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it could be a wrong drug or, you know, we've got the coronavirus out there right now, but it really stems back down to hygiene and the reason why we so saw so much of it in the past was there was no running water there was no emphasis on cleaning hands there was no sanitation and so things just fermented and this is what caused a great deal of the diseases to go out there and we don't realize i mean right now that the whole emphasis on wash your hands don't touch your face make sure the surfaces are kept clean the only way you can prevent the coronavirus but that should be common sense and very often, it isn't, is it? It should be. And unfortunately, there's some statistics out there that will make a few of your listeners cringe, uh, probably more, most particularly the women. But apparently, 65% of men uh, don't wash their hands after using a public toilet. Mm -hmm. uh, Shake it out. <laughs> more, well, that's right. More shocking than that is apparently 35% of women don't either. Yes. Um, and, you know, and let's stop and think for a moment. They're touching <laughs> the handles. Right, and then they're touching something else, and then they're That's touching right. something else. And this virus That's we right. know right now is shiny handles, yes. doorknobs, and yes. everything uh, bound. So here we are in supposedly a sophisticated world uh, where a country as big and as enriched as, um, as India is only now catching up with sanitation and, yes. and you know, flushing toilets, which in the Western world we've known for over 100 years and you know, just think everybody has it. But we're also now having to re-educate people purely on the hygiene of washing hands. Yes. And in fact, a big part of the work we're doing in India in, in schools, apart from providing toilets where they're needed, is about teaching the kids proper hygiene behavior, and particularly hand washing mm. with soap. Yes. And what we're finding now in, in the places where we are working, the kids are actually now becoming better at hand washing than most of us in the West are. Yeah. Uh, I so often see people doing a perfunctory hand wash at the, you know, when coming out of a public toilet where they'll go, they'll, they'll flick the tap on, they'll stick their hand under yeah. for a second, flick the tap off and they think they wash their hands. Yeah. In fact, all they've done by doing that is make their hands wet, making it easier to pick up stuff that's on the nearby surface. Yes. Uh, yes. You need to, to do it properly. It needs to be, a, they talk about the sing happy birthday twice. Yeah. Uh, wash your and hands with so overhand, underhand. That's right. Yes, That's right. Yeah. And in the middle, under the yeah. nails, and so on. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really so often about, uh, it's not about keeping the tap running as well. I, I went to a school in Cambodia a few years ago, and the kids asked if I could wash my hands. And they had a, a container about, well, about, I don't know, it was probably a couple of gallons of water. And, uh, and they had a bar of soap. So I grabbed the bar of soap. I turned the tap on and started rubbing my hands together under the tap. And the kids looked at their teacher just horrified. Yeah. And I, I realized oh, I've left the tap running. Yes. They don't have that sort of free, right. free access to water like we do. So I quickly yeah. turned the tap off and uh, then got suds on my hand and, and got the suds going for 15, 20 seconds. And the kids started looking relieved again. And then I rinsed the suds off. And in fact, that's how we should all be washing our yes. hands. Yeah. Got the tap running all the time. You're not giving the, the soap the chance to do its 
it's proper abrasive work of getting stuff off the off and the it, it doesn't matter where you are in the world you know water is going to become a shortage and is, so this is yes. something we need to be mindful yes. of <laughs> despite what they say <laughs> look these children at the school in cambodia they could not believe that we go to the toilet in our drinking water yeah yeah in the west which is yes. what we do you know yes. it's the same. Yes. unless you're getting it out of a rainwater tank that's what we're doing here we uh incredibly wasteful with this resource that is going to become more and more uh, precious yes well you know you australia having just gone through all those fires yes. uh, you know the amount of water it's going to take for regrowth and of course you know you went from fires to flooding in certain parts and uh, you know we've got to understand that really uh, mama earth is pissed off at this right now yep. and she's uh, she's kicking up a, a fuss and yep. uh, you know i don't blame her because as children of the earth we have abused her yep. you know in so many ways and i just think it's so sad and in in the day of you know computer intelligence with uh, so much education with so many opportunities with the internet and the information that's out there that we are still so callous mm -hmm. with the way we go about things and that there are still countries out there that don't have the running water, that don't have the toilets. Many places right. in Africa don't either. Of course. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's what's going on. Why are yeah. we investing in wars when we should be investing in countries to have those basic needs? That's right. I'm, I'm a, a big fan of the stuff you're saying there. I think that uh, at the moment, it's as many as 2.5 billion people in the world don't have access to a, an acceptable standard of sanitation. Uh, the number changes from time to time, but that's basically been a fairly, fairly solid number for a number of years. Uh, we can't keep up with the population growth every time we add more toilets or we, we're adding more people as well. We're just not keeping up and water six to 800 million people don't have access to clean drinking water. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and, and the flow on effects are horrendous. Um, I did a show on migration and that how much migration is actually going to be due with the weather changes. You know, if you can't grow, crops then what are you going to do you're going to migrate somewhere where you can and so and then we're developing that problem um you know you digress from you know the need of toilet and 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 uh, sanitation and this being your path but really it's not just one thread isn't it it is a whole right. a whole a lot of it together. that yeah it all belongs yeah. together and yeah. um how can we you know we could look at certain countries and say oh you got Ebola you got this and that but then look at the sanitation you know and uh, and go well why did it happen you know because yeah. uh, the, the sanitation is not there the education is not there correct correct it's um look it's it's a incredibly complex problem i think to suggest that uh, it's caused by one issue only would be wrong but i, th I think the environmental issues are, are underlying so many problems that we face i mean yeah. the lack of lack of water is uh, obviously very much tied into environmental issues uh, and uh, I, look i've even heard people suggesting this this ebola virus could have been, uh, could be connected to environmental issues as well simply mm -hmm. because human beings are expanding their footprint on the earth and removing uh, some of the natural environment. And so the, the animals where the, this disease may have come from are now getting closer and closer to the people. Yeah. Uh, Do you mean the just, Ebola or the Corona? No, the coronavirus. Right. And the same, and the same with Ebola. As we live yes. closer and closer to the source, uh, it's more likely to get out. And, you know, this particular one, you know, in, in the um, 
childhood shots vaccines they did at that time it was just when it was coming out and they were talking about that they had tried because coronavirus is like the flu virus in in china that they were talking about this virus as being an antivirus you know a virus against the flu that went wrong <laughs> and radically wrong right um, which we don't know but then they've come up with the um, market of exotic food meats and you mm. know now you're talking about the animals that are just not designed for consumption i don't think any animals should be anyway i'm plant-based person <laughs> but you know they take these exotic animals and you know and sell those on the market a non-hygienic market at mm. that and yes. that this is kind of where they think the systemic has has been caused there so yeah. will we ever know the truth one doesn't know because a lot always is covered up but again it goes back to logics you know it's just because you can make a buck on selling something exotic doesn't mean you should buy it, you know, or that we should even be allowing it to happen. But no. it does. No, look, yes, it's a, it's a complicated world we're in. So much of what you're talking about, whether it's the vaccines or whether it's these animals and the unhygienic market, it, it keeps, for me, it keeps coming back to hygiene. Yes. Uh, and this issue of hand washing, I don't think we can drum it in enough. No. Uh, and, you know, I think that our kids, you know, once they get it, you know, they're the ones to remind the adults all the time. And, you know, I was catching a bus the other day and this guy was doing <laughs> with no, his nose no. and then going like this with his arm and then rubbing it on his things and then getting on the bus. You know? mm, and so I've been taking all public transit, whether it's warm out there or not, in gloves, you know? mm. <laughs> making yeah. sure and Perel and everything else, because that's exactly how things get passed on and it's be mindful be mindful right and and we're not and it, i think sometimes it takes something like a pandemic scare for, to wake people up on just the everyday lack of hygiene that they're practicing mm. yeah and look you mentioned <coughs> uh, kids kids being a big part of the solution uh in fact i if i can uh, tell you a, a bit of an anecdote about a school that we've been working mm -hmm. in, in India. Um, this school had, uh, it's got 1,500 children, um, mainly high school, a few younger kids, but mainly high school children. And when I first visited the school about four years ago, it had, it had toilets of sort, but the condition was horrendous. The girls' toilets were too dangerous for me to go into because there were snakes uh, wow. throughout, the, throughout the toilets. The headmaster wouldn't let me go in, and yet the little girls were going in and out using it as a toilet. Wait, wait, wait uh, what, what? What? The little girls can go in and you can't? Yeah, yeah, that's right. There. There's the value the white, of life the white there. Man, the white man can't go in, but the little brown girls can go in. It's just unacceptable. <sighs> Horrible. Horrible. Very distressing. Um, and when I eventually did go in, I, I filmed a bit, and you know, the, the toilets had become unusable, and they would just go to the toilet on the floor. So they wanted somewhere private. That was, that was the message there. They wanted somewhere not just outside in the wild. Mm. They wanted somewhere private, but the conditions of where they'd been going were just beyond the pale. So we decided to build toilets there. We built uh, 33 new toilets in the school, uh, and I've been back since. I went back a year later to look at them. The condition is wonderful they're being used all the time they're being cleaned properly the kids have become part of that process so when we built them we sat down with the kids in in groups and talked about the importance of of looking after things that that are important to them 
mm. and the toilets are important to them. They had to be responsible as well, not just the teachers, not just the cleaner. Like if you, if you use a toilet, leave it how you found it was kind of the message that we said right. to them. And, and they've taken it on board so seriously. But then after we'd opened these toilets, we uh, got the mayors of the seven nearby villages to come and have a look. And they were all pretty impressed. And the kids were going home to their villages and telling mum and dad, we've got this at school. We want this at home as well. And um, it was about, about a year after we'd opened them. So in, this is, um, we opened them January last year. Uh, so just over a year ago, I was there in December last year. So 11 months after opening them. And we went down to visit the mayor of one of the villages just to see if there'd been any change in the village. And she was quite emotional. She said, you know, when, when you opened those toilets just on a year ago, 70% uh, of the people in our village had toilets. Within days of them opening, the kids were telling the other 30%, you've got to get toilets. And within three months, every family in the village had toilets. That was just the most dramatic outcome. And, and not just toilets, but they've also now put in hand-washing capability, right. most of it by, by little canisters full yeah. of water, which they, they refill. And the mayor has made sure that water is available for the, the families to refill a couple of times a week when they need to. Um, so, you know, water, water shortage is an issue, but they're, they're solving it as a community. Um, and then we've been working closely with a, a company called Record Banker, so the people who make Dettol. Mm. And they've agreed to provide soap uh, to all the schools that we're working with in India for the next five years. Uh, Excellent. As, as part of our program, which gives the schools time to find their own longer-term solution. But now they're also helping us get soap into these poorer villages. Uh, small villages in particular where it's sort of it's a it's a bite-sized chunk that a company like like Dettol can get involved in so right. so these families are now washing their hands being taught by the kids to do it yes yeah. yes <laughs> the kids have become the teachers we, yeah. with the adults you know they've only known one way right and yes. so this is something totally foreign if you teach the kid the kids are yes. excellent teachers if, yeah. the, if the adults will learn but, you know beyond hygiene here there's this big, huge world, word called dignity. Yes. You know, one should be able to go to the yeah. bathroom, you know, yes. and have some privacy and some dignity and, and also not be afraid of being bitten by snakes. Yes. And uh, <laughs> which is mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, you know, I imagine in certain places, scorpions and a few other things. Mm. Uh, but it, it's that dignity. You're placing value on the people, on that privacy of doing Correct. something that we all do as human beings. Correct. And have a right Correct. to do in privacy. Yeah. And look, that issue of dignity is, is one of the big ones for us because, of course, the people most dramatically affected by, by a lack of acceptable standard of sanitation are, are girls and women. Yes. Uh, privacy for adolescent girls becomes extremely important. Uh, the issue that men in the West, well, men in the world don't really talk about is menstruation, you know? And right. So I, remember, I remember when my daughter was about 13, I asked my wife, is everything okay? She said, yes. And that was kind of the last time we spoke about it because everything was okay. But in, in many parts of the third world, if a father were to ask his wife, is everything okay for our daughter at that age? The answer would be no, no, it's absolutely horrendous. Yeah. Um, uh, the, so many girls don't have access to, to sanitary products, whether, right. whether you're talking disposable products like the sort that most women use in the West or whether you're talking washable products like from organizations like Days for Girls who make washable sanitary pads which are distributed throughout the developing world or, or, or girls and women who choose to use moon cups instead. And this is something men don't talk about. No. 
Oh, oh no, oh, la, la, West, la, 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 no, they don't want you know to what? hear about it. <laughs> and to some extent in the West, maybe we don't need to talk about it as much. Right. Because it's a private, it's a private thing. This mm. is not, this is a personal matter for girls and women. And it, it should remain personal and private. That's part of the dignity issue. But when, when the capacity of a country and a community is not there to allow that dignity and privacy, that's when men need to get involved as well. Men need to be, actually, I think men need to be standing on the hilltop screaming about it because we've got louder voices than women. Well, that all depends. <laughs> if you have a pissed off mum, <laughs> she true, can that's shout. That's true. She can shout pretty loud too. <laughs> don't, uh, you know, don't cross a mama. Right? <laughs> um, but yeah, it is. You know, the thing is where the men should be is saying to the women, what support do you need? And then let yeah. the women have that support to go and do yes. what they need to do yes. um, with this with this subject. Yeah. You know, for guys, yeah. it's unless you have daughters or wives, it's, it's not something you comprehend at all. Yeah. But it is, again, a dignity and a privacy thing. Yeah. And unfortunately, we didn't ask for this. This no. is just the way we were made. Exactly. And there are so many things that a woman needs support on. And uh, there was a wonderful Netflix movie called The Red Tent. And, mm. and the red tent is where the women went for support or gave birth or anything else that they needed. And no men were uh, allowed. And I think we do need that community. It's not the male bashing area. It's the area where a woman can talk in her vulnerability yes. with yes. support of the sisterhood and, yes. and not feel embarrassed because yes. especially girls going to school, the embarrassment factor, it doesn't matter which country we're looking at, is extremely mm. high, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and it's, uh, I, I like the way you described that. The, uh, sometimes uh, men seem to think that these private places for women are places for male bashing, but of mm. course they're not for that. It is because sometimes women are coming from a position of disadvantage. Yes, and when you come from a position of disadvantage, that's when you need support of of your own uh, your own network, people who truly understand it. Um, I did want to tell you another story about another mm -hmm. school, uh, which ties into this dignity issue. It's probably one of the more profound experiences I've had during my my time working in in this world of toilets. Um, a friend took me to a little school in a village of about three hundred people. And the school was just a primary school, about 25 kids. They were all seven, eight, nine years old. Uh, and there's one teacher, a young woman, about 25 years old, and the school didn't have a toilet. And so I asked the teacher through my interpreter how she managed. And she said, well, look, I live in another village about two hours away by bus. So I travel to work on the bus every morning. I work all day. Then I travel home on the bus in the afternoon. And, and when I get home, the first thing I do is have a big drink of water. So she was telling me that she'd go all day without yes. drinking water even in the height of summer. And you mentioned this earlier, women yep. not drinking all day. Right. So even in the height of the Indian summer, she got, wouldn't drink because she was afraid she might need to go to the toilet. <sighs> the so ramifications on that are kidneys think, you know, the and impact the on body. The kidneys, oh. ability to concentrate. All yes. Things, you know, um, You're dehydrating the body right. all because you don't have a dignity of a washroom. That's yeah. right. So then I asked her you know, how she managed when she had her period. And she said, well, the children don't go to school on those days. Mm. So again, you, you think about what that means. That means, firstly, the children's education has been curtailed right. every time this young woman had her period. Uh, because they're primary school children, their mothers had to stay home from work to look after them mm -hmm. when the teacher had a period, which meant that, of course, their family incomes were being reduced every time the teacher had a period. And, of course, the whole community knew every time this young yes. woman had her period. Yeah. So her dignity was being absolutely smashed. Yeah. And, and the whole community was paying the price. Right. And so all, I said to, all because 
the lack of sanitary pads. Well, the toilet, the, the toilet. Yes. You know, the reality is, you know, she, because she was a teacher and had an income, she would be in a position to spend a little bit of money on some sanitary pads or she could do what a lot of women in the third world do and use old rags or something. So mm. she would have had a solution if she'd had a private place. Yes. Not a perfect solution, but a solution. Yes. So, so the guy who took me there and I, we, we sort of chatted about this for a bit and decided that we needed to do something about it. And so we figured such a small school, primary age children only, and one, one female teacher only, we can get away with one toilet and one wash basin for them to share. In a perfect world, you want separate boys and girls facilities, separate teacher facilities, but we weren't looking for perfection. We were looking for some solution. Yeah. And, uh, so he said he could do it for about a, it was about a thousand US dollars. So I gave him 500 from my own pocket. No, actually it was a thousand Australian. So it's 700 US. So mm -hmm. I gave him 500 Aussie from my pocket and he funded the other half. And he called me up about uh, three months later and he said, Mark, I've got a message for you from the teacher. She wants you to know that the first thing she does when she gets to school now is have a big drink of water. <laughs> and think, yeah. wow, you know, just yeah. something so simple. We spent so 700 simple. bucks. Yeah. And then not only that, but her, she said that the previous month was the first time that since she'd been working at the school that the kids had been able to go to school every day. Right. So we spent $700 and 300 lives have been changed. The mums can now work full time. Yeah. The kids' education's back on track and she's drinking water and got a proper toilet to use her. No one knows when she's got a period. She, it just suddenly just a bit of normality and dignity back in life. And for Which we take bucks, for granted, you yeah. know, and, and uh, I think this is something that, you know, I'm, so-called first worlds, you know, just don't understand that, you know, there are so many. How many million did you say were out or billion out of uh, toilets point, in the world? 2.5 billion. And yeah. there is meant to be 7 billion in the world. That, look at the chunk of that. 7 to 8 billion. That's right. right. You know, I mean, uh, that is an uh, enormous chunk. Yeah. The ramifications are... We're worried about not having toilet paper in the West. Right. The Imagine oh. if you couldn't find a toilet. Exactly. If you couldn't find a toilet. I know. <laughs> and and this, this whole thing uh, of the toilet paper thing, there's actually a wonderful post that went up on Facebook and it's people saying a family presenting cor uh, coronavirus and they were all wrapped up in toilet paper. <laughs> 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 and you, you know, you have to laugh because it, it's ridiculous, you know, again, yeah. hysteria, fear sales. Yeah. But we just, you know, that many people in the world, you know, without running water, without bathrooms, it's not just a question they don't have a loo. You know, imagine not being able to drink all day. Imagine, you know, even if you had an emergency, you've got nowhere to go. You know, uh, for a woman, we certainly do can imagine, you know, the menstrual cycle and not being able to do anything about that. But then imagine the trickle down e economics that is happening, yeah. the education holes that are happening the yeah. creativity and the production and the wellness of that village of that town it affects everybody and all everybody. for the fact of a toilet and some running water yeah and you know the the way it affects people and everyone in the community are quite dramatic i mean first of all i'll go back to a community i visited in cambodia uh, nine percent of the children in that village were dying before the age of five uh, in a lot of the third world, the average is closer to 5%. This village had it particularly bad because in the, they, they would go to the toilet in, in holes in the ground and, or on the side of the road. And in the wet season, the children would be walking around up to their waist in it. Yes. Just, and when it was the dry season, the flies would be landing on it and then carrying it to people's food. Yes. And so it would take just one person in the village to go to the toilet outside. The whole village could get sick. So. Yep. One of the difficult 
the most difficult aspects of this is it's not good enough to solve it for most people in the village. You've got to save it, for, solve it for everyone. It's the, trickle, it's the domino effect, right? It's the, it the ripple out effect. You know, we're not just talking about a toilet. You know, it, That's right. you know it, we, we take it for granted. How many times a day do we go to our toilet and flush and wash our hands without even thinking about it? That's right. Now imagine you didn't have it. What yeah. would be the impact on your life? If uh, someone told you, well, your kids have got a good chance of dying before the age of five, we'd, uh, we'd, we'd certainly be doing something about that problem here in the West. We wouldn't allow it to continue. And, you know, uh, we have this, uh, I go back to the time of the live aid concert with Bob Geldof mm. back in whenever that was uh, with Ethiopia, um, where we'd see all these pictures of, uh, of African mothers with their dying babies mm-hmm. and, and the whole world got involved, but there's still this arm's length thing where some somehow people think that uh, they're used to it. So for poor mothers from the third world, losing a child is different to losing a child yeah. to a mother in the West. In fact, it's, yeah. it's probably worse because yeah. here we in the West we have we have support networks. We have we have strong government support for people going through trauma. In in these countries, they've got they're surrounded by other broken people who've also lost their children. The entire so system that is broken. Yeah. 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 So, you know, they're, they're, it's actually harder, if anything, for, for and, and these countries. The fact that, the, you know, maybe a simple antibiotic or the hygiene or a toilet, washing their hands could save their lives. You know, yeah. when you lose a life here, you know, a, a child to cancer, a child to, to anything, you know, we, we at least know that there was some medical that could help, yeah. you know, yeah. or, or at least that you had the child had a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Over there, what chance do they have at all, just from the basic yeah. needs? How many people in, this, in our countries die from diarrhea? Nobody. Yeah, and if, it, it has to be an extreme case of gastric enteritis <laughs> and, and other underlining problems it's for that to happen. So but unlikely, yeah. Isn't it? yeah. Whereas yeah. in this, this community in Cambodia, that's what was killing them. The kids yeah. were dying from diarrhea. Very, and it, yeah. and so I hope your listeners aren't listening at breakfast time. Sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, facts are the facts. You know, this is, they, they be, we get very complacent in our cushy lives where we have yeah. everything. And, yeah. you know, as human beings, we're inclined to moan a lot about what yeah. we don't have, but we're never grateful for what we do have. And just simply look at our ancestors. I mean, you look at period pieces, um, you know, there's Outlander right now, a great show. And what I like about it is that they take a lot of historical things that are happening at that time. There were mm. no washrooms at that time. No. You know, and the hygiene and everything else and the amount of people that died, it was yeah. just nobody documented it. You were lucky if you reached puberty, you know, yeah. because there were so many things that could kill you along the way. And that's why yeah. people had so many kids, because yeah. for all of them to reach age, you well, know, was, was old. 50 50, was old then, wasn't you it? were yeah. definitely old. I would have been yeah. obsolete by now. So it's <laughs> <laughs> two of us. the point is why do we take things for granted you know um we're looking at a world right now where we have so many opportunities we have so much literally at our fingertips and you know it's not just the the people in india and african countries and look at the war-torn countries let's look at the refugees and look at what they're living in and very Mm. often there's just in tents and kind of mud piles Mm. and you know i know that um you know, the person I was talking to about the portable toilets before were trying to get them into refugee camps. Um, we, uh, if we can't grant people the basic hygiene, then who are we as human beings to deny that? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, and look, that's a very interesting issue. And I visited Bangladesh a couple of years ago to to see a project that my Rotary Club is involved in, uh, providing operations for children born with cleft palates. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I had an opportunity, which I wasn't able to take up at the time, but an opportunity to visit one of the refugee camps in Bangladesh, where the Karen refugees were coming in from from Myanmar, from Burma, and. Uh, there were 700,000 refugees into Bangladesh, one of the poorest countries in the world, and they were dealing with a humanitarian crisis on a scale of that size and uh, trying to solve a sanitation problem for these people when they had sanitation problem for their own people. And uh, right. the, so the, the, the dysentery and other, other oh. stomach diseases in these refugee camps were just beyond Rampant. the pale. Rampant. Yeah. Yeah. Rampant, yeah. And, you know, how do you put a stop to it? You know, and you'd really have to kind of scrub everything down and get those toilets and running water in there. Yeah. And it, it's almost more important than the, the food, you know, yeah. obviously the food is important, but it, what good is the food if it's going right through them? Going straight through. Right? And look, I mean, the, the reality that the problems that humanity face, whether it's, whether it's uh, sanitation and water, whether it's literacy, whether it's maternal and child health, or, uh, whether it's peace and conflict resolution, the, the, the problems that humanity faces are just, they're too big to take them all on and solve them all. But yeah. we can we can pick away at them. We can solve yeah. bits of them here and there. And I think that you know, the one of the questions that I asked myself very early on in this journey was, I'm only one person. How much impact can I have? Mm-hmm. And and look, if you look on a global scale, the impact any one person can have, unless you're Bill Gates, is is not that big. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't try to have an impact because even if you can change ten lives, a hundred, a thousand lives, whatever, yeah. you're still making the world a better place. It is like people listening to the show right now. Even Mm. if all that comes out of this is a gratitude for running water, paying attention for the yes. for the toilet maybe yeah. supporting your organization with a donation that will make a difference the yeah. whole point is is waking people up to the fact that in 2020 mm. we still have that amount of billion people in the world without running water and without toilets yeah. And, it, and it should not be, nobody should be going hungry. Nobody should be out there with the basic needs in life. Nobody should be without a home, not in this world. Again, mm. it's an imbalance of money. It's an imbalance of power. And we spend more money on war than we do on mm. creativity and on supporting our human nation. And, uh, you know, it's not, don't point to the politicians. Three fingers are pointing back at you. What can you do? And no, don't take on everything. Find something that you want to support and be an advocate for it. Mm-hmm. Share it on your social medias. Invite other people to know the awareness of it. Get other people to make a dollar donation. If you've got 100 people, that's 100 bucks. You that's know, right. it's every single drop in the ocean counts. But don't sit back and go, oh, that's not nice. Well, I'm glad I've got a loo. You know, it's for the people that don't. Please, four-letter word, care. Yeah, care. I think a, bit of com- a bit of compassion for other people. Yeah. People in, in greater need than ourselves is, uh, it's actually good for your, for your own personal well-being too. Yeah. But, uh, oh, boy, so, yeah, is it? I, I can recommend it highly. I, as a result of uh, that visit to the slum school where there were no girls in the school I, I actually ended up selling my business and uh, and i haven't had an income for the last six years i know i'm uh, let's say s- spending the kids inheritance <laughs> <laughs> but you're I'm, enriching their souls and an yeah, you know, they, abundant they their like, spirit <laughs> they like what i'm doing they, yes. they like the 
the importance of the work I'm doing and, and uh, day and my wife all acknowledge that I'm a much happier person now than I was yeah. when I was chasing a dollar. Um, yeah. And I remember, you know, I remember having staff where I'd give them a pay rise and everyone would be very pleased to get a pay rise, but within a few days they were just back where they were. It was the same job. Yes. And suddenly the excitement about that extra $30 a week in your pay packet really became irrelevant. Still, you still had to go to work and do that same thing every day. And if you weren't enjoying your life, if you weren't doing something that you felt was productive and worthwhile and you didn't have a nice boss and a good working environment, all those, all that the extra money meant nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I've done a lot of interviews over the year and, and one of them is an East Indian gentleman who actually was um, an aero engineer. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had a health issue and from that learned about this particular MLM company and that product changed his life. So he decided to change his career mm-hmm. and he started being an MLM. But what he did is he t- started, you know, uh, teaching people how to be mm-hmm. it. And he, he's ended up in the third world countries, specifically helping women mm-hmm. develop their own business, selling products that are not only good for them, but they also make them an income. So they don't have to marry for position. They've got their own money to support their families. They've got that liberty and that freedom. And this has now become his calling. If somebody said to you a few years ago, hey, mate, you're going to be in the toilet business, what would you have said? I would have looked at them very strangely. um, My wife will tell you quickly that I I don't like cleaning toilets at home. (laughs) I've become better at it. I've become better at it through uh, through total embarrassment that my life's completely in the toilet. I should clean them sometimes. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You never know what is going to redirect us. You know, that's our self-discovery. The thing is, is that nothing is wasted. Whatever years you, you did before, you take that expertise, you take that knowledge and you apply it to something that really is meaningful to you in the moment. And, you know, you don't know if you started off with one school and you saw the difference and then well, what else can we do? Where else can we go? Mm. Who else's life can we change? And then it becomes mm-hmm. that wonderful snowball effect. And, you know, that energy begets energy. Mm. That inspiration becomes invitation. Yeah. Well, look, we've been doing this. Uh, say we, I, I, I took this idea to, um, to a Rotary Club in Melbourne just as a, as a guest speaker uh, mm-hmm. six years ago. And by the end of the presentation, they pretty much convinced me that I'd be able to do more if I were to join them. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've, uh, we've directly impacted on 100,000 lives since then in the last wow. six years. And indirectly, I can, I can count it indirectly, but very measurable at close to half a million. Yes. And give it another couple of years, we will have reached a million people for sure. Uh, and that's all just from just, just an idea. You know, and... And instead of sticking to that question, I'm only one person, what can I do? I won't do anything. Saying, mm-hmm. well, no, maybe I can do something. And from that, then surrounding myself with amazing people uh, to help uh, turn this idea into, into something real. And look, in the scheme of things, globally, a million is still just a drop in the ocean. But gee, it's a million people who've got better lives now because of it. So, And then their lives you know, uh, their children's lives are better and their children's lives are better yeah. and opportunities and, yeah. and industries are created. And, you know, it just, it's, it's something that will get beyond the measurement because yeah. it will be so That's far right. reaching and, you know, all, all because of a toilet and running water, you know, and yeah. Yeah. it's something we all take for granted. And 
I, I love it when people, you know, find that meaningful purpose in their lives because there's such, lucky. yeah, well, you know, it's, um, yeah. it is, it's being willing to follow, yeah. you know, what's in front of you without questioning it. And then, you know, questioning it when you need to as to what can I do about it? it look, I was lucky. It was the right time in my life when mm. I, when I found this thing, because I, my first job out of university, I was a writer for Lonely Planet Publications. So I spent a lot of time in the developing world. I often saw people, now that I look back, I realize I often saw people out the window of my train going to the toilet in the fields. Yes. But I never, I never extrapolated, well, what does that mean? And then I just happened to visit this school at the right time in my life where I needed to find out what it meant. And uh, I didn't like what I found, which is why right. I felt I needed to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, that goes for everybody out there. You know, as far as I'm concerned, our self-discovery is discovering what instrument we are in life. And then once we've mm. got that instrument, learning to play it and finding our orchestra. Mm. And with that orchestra, collectively creating a symphony mm. that raises everyone up. Mm. And we don't know, you know, our journey is about chapters. We, you know, our book isn't one chapter. It's many chapters of our lives and all the experiences and the discovery and, and the exploration that we've made for our life, you know, leads us somewhere. Will you always be, you know, the toilet advocate? Maybe you'll branch off into something else, but where you are right now, I could see you've been very busy with this for a long time to come, <laughs> but you don't know where else it's going to go or who else yep. is going to go. Well, you know, you've done a hundred thousand already. It's affected half a million people. Let's put more money behind this, more industry mm. behind this and make sure that we're, we're talking millions now. Mm. And well, that's all you need. Yeah. And look, your, your, uh, that question you ask is, you know, whether I will be doing this same thing in a few years or not, I'm actually involved in another project uh, fighting slavery. Oh. slavery. Slavery is a huge problem around the world today. There, most people would not know that there are more slaves alive today than were trafficked to North America during the entire time of, of the slave trade. In, in now, are you talking, you know, uh, slaves of color? Are you talking sex trade uh, slavery? Uh, there's a, a, probably 70% would be sex trade, but there are, there are a lot of people in the developing world in slavery, yeah. in the fishing industry and in agriculture and in making bricks and brick kilns. And well, uh, What about the children in uh, mining children. for the components for cell phones? Yep. You know, yep. all of that type of thing. Yep. And, so and the, the sex trade is... The sex trade itself is, as of two years ago, $150 billion a year worldwide. Yeah. Right? 150. If that is not a pandemic, yeah. if that is not a sickness, I don't know what is. Yeah. And, you know, and it's across the board, whether it's sex trade mm. workers or children or trafficking and everything else. Yeah. Um, but it is, you know, it, it really... It really makes us question. I mean, as human mm. beings, we could be the scourge, we could be the virus, the pandemic on this planet. We also can be the creators, and, uh, and it really and the cure. It the really cure. is up to what yeah. we're going to feed and what we yeah. choose to. And but we can't leave people behind. You know, I have a yeah. series called Our Forgotten Children, and it yeah. is about if we don't invest in our kids, they become the problem of tomorrow through no yeah. fault of their own. Seventy mm -hmm. percent of um, foster children end up in jail 70 percent of the people in jail are foster children Goodness. and that's because nowhere along the line did they ever develop any compassion for them or empathy for them or somebody investing in them and, and showing them that there is something more in life and they get mm. caught up in that same spiral so 
yeah, it's uh, the slavery factor is I'm, I'm glad you're going down that road. Mm -hmm. It's not, again, like toilets, nothing pretty. Look, what we're doing, what we're <laughs> the doing different is getting sewerage. involved in, we're getting involved, yes, exactly. <laughs> we're getting, very, yes, right on the spot with that. Uh, so we're, uh, we're getting involved in prevention through mm -hmm. education. Uh, there are three areas of importance when you're fighting slavery. One is prevention, which really is about, uh, primarily that's about educating uh, communities and families about the risks of particularly their children mm -hmm. being trafficked and also the risks of young women being trafficked and, and of men, uh, young men being trafficked, for instance, into agriculture or, yeah. or into the fishing industry and so on. Um, so education is the easiest place to start is prevention. Yes. Uh, the next one uh, that people are looking at on a fair scale is um, um, we'll call it the treatment after the event. So what's that? What would that be? That's uh, rehabilitation mm -hmm. so of rescued slaves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because terribly, terribly important, but these people come back, you know, young women who've been trafficked from Nepal into India into the sex trade, sex trade for a number of years. When they, they come back to Nepal, they're broken and they need a lot of help. And they're be. never going to be whole again. You know, no. um, uh, it's, it is quite horrific. I mean, not only have you taken away their childhood, you've taken away their dignity, their liberty, right. the that's programming right. that they're worthless, that yeah, they're nothing. Right. You know, right. there is so much there. It's not a question of just love and a little therapy and they're going to be all right. This will be a yeah. lifelong thing. That right. And they will probably never live up to their full potential unless they're yeah. the one of those few that are the fighting spirit. Mm, but right. there's just so many of them that are damaged yeah. beyond repair. That's right. The third part of the, the battle against slavery is the most dangerous one, and that's the rescue. Uh, there are some organizations out there rescuing people, but that is incredibly dangerous because, of course, you're up against organized crime. Yes. Uh, there's a, a guy called Kailash Satyati, who's an Indian-born Nobel Peace Prize winner. He's, uh, I think he's the only Indian-born Nobel Peace Prize winner. Mother Teresa won a Nobel Peace Prize, but she mm -hmm. wasn't born in India. Uh, Kailash won it uh, the same year that Malala Yousafzai won it, uh, the young Pakistani girl who was shot in the head for right. basically for wanting to go to school. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Kailash's uh, organization has rescued about 100,000 slaves. And they put themselves at, at risk every day when they're doing this work. But, uh, and so it's, and it, it's that kind of person wins a Nobel Peace Prize. It's that kind right. of... So that, and I actually was lucky enough to meet him a few years ago, and I, I spoke about toilets, and he spoke about slaves, and mm. on the same stage, which was pretty exciting. So, <laughs> um, I felt like a bit of an imposter being on the stage with a guy like that. Oh no, 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 no! We've just talked about that. You know, it, it stems from hygiene, right? All liberation, you know, yes. it comes from yes. the hygiene, the the dignity, yes. and then the respect, and you know, the hygiene base of it. Uh, um, I've interviewed quite a number of people on on sex um, trade, and one of them is called the abolitionist. They did a, a movie on it. He worked with the CIA for 20 years and then went out on his own group. And they would go in pretending they're Johns and then capture the people and rescue the kids. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he was saying some of the horrific things 
that they've seen and you know they have a number of how many people they rescue but for every time they rescue someone someone else has been captured so it's an ongoing thing but yeah. you know someone's got to give a damn and this is not something we talk about we don't talk about hygiene we don't talk about toilets we don't talk about running water we don't talk about slavery we don't talk about sex trade and we need to i know it's uncomfortable there is nothing pretty about this at all but if we bury our heads in the sand of it we are part of the problem because Absolutely. we refuse to be part of the solution. Yeah, it won't go away if we no. don't if we don't stand up and shout about it and say this mm. isn't good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is what we do here, you know, on, on yeah. the self-discovery media and discovery and communities. This yeah. is what we do here. We bring these subjects to you because education of what's going on in the world is important yeah. for you to know too, for you to support yeah. or for you to share or for you just to even speak with your family about. But, and it's an invitation. You know, the inspiration yep. of what you're doing today is an invitation for people to participate, whether they get completely in it and become part of the organization or whether it's just a donation, whether it's sharing the, sh the show, talking. Imagine if you brought this to the classroom mm. and you said to the classroom, okay, there are kids without toilets. Let's do a fundraiser and awareness for the whole school to see how much money we can raise to, to mm. go through that. Imagine yep. the impact it would have on the kids have on the parents, have on the results on the other end. I mean, how empowering for everybody involved. Yeah, we've done a lot of work with schools. Uh, mm -hmm. I speak at schools a few times a year, and uh, I don't know if it's the same over where you are, but in Australia, uh, particularly in private schools, kids wear a uniform. Mm -hmm. And so they'll have, once a term, there'll be a day where they can come in their weekend clothes and they have to put some money in a tin. So you pay $5 or $2 or whatever it is to be allowed to wear your sort of a casual clothes day. Right. And they use that to raise money for charity that they chose, they choose for the year. And they do other fundraising things during the year as well. And there's one school here in Melbourne raised $8,000 for us last year during the Wonderful. year. Yeah, Wonderful. So, you know, it just shows kids, kids are, kids really understand this stuff, particularly, I think particularly the adolescent kids. Yeah. The girl, they hear these stories, the girls, they stand back in shock and say, well, that's not fair. Right. Yes. I, you know, that the, <clears throat> until they're aware, they're not invited to do something about it. So yep. first and foremost is the awareness out there. Yep. The awareness that this is a solution that's easily resolved. Yep. But it requires participation yep. from everybody on whatever degree, you know, on whatever level. You know, if you can't immerse yourself into it because there's something else you're being supportive of, that's okay. But then how about sharing it that maybe somebody else would become an important topic for. But yes. we can't, you know, the monkey not see, do, hear or anything else. It's um, mm. when we're looking at such an easy solution mm. of toilets and running water. Mm. Um, obviously, the trafficking is a lot harder. But again, when you educate the children, you're giving them a way out. Yes. You're giving them um, a way that their parents don't sell them, which is a lot happens too. Mm. Yeah. And um, we're giving them an option. And also when they're at school, you know, harder to be snatched than them just out there in the street. A lot of things here have got the solution to it all. And it's just a question yeah. of what are we going to do to participate in it? Yeah. Look, I have a fairly basic philosophy of, that I apply to everything that I do. And that is, if, if you don't ask the question, the answer is never yes. Mm -hmm. Very mm -hmm. simple, very simple philosophy, but so powerful you can apply it yes. to, to anything. Yeah, uh, stop I, worrying about the no, right? I'm actually going to use it uh, 
to show this to you. Yeah, yes, yes, the book. Uh, for people who don't have a screen now, it's my book, Toilet Warrior. Um, I asked a guy in India uh, in November, would you buy a thousand copies of it? And he was shocked and he said yes. <laughs> <laughs> if I hadn't asked him, he wouldn't have bought a thousand copies. Right. Yeah, I mean, stop. We, we worry so much about the no, don't we? Yeah. If somebody says oh, no, find us, miss it, go talk to the yeses. <laughs> yeah, I should say the profits are all going into my projects. So. Right, of course. But one would assume that with you, definitely. <laughs> and, and, you know, a thousand books, how many toilets does that provide? Uh, that, that will solve the problem for a school of about 600 kids. Wow. Yeah, look at that impact. Uh, look yeah. at that impact. Not Where can people buy yeah. the book? Uh, so my book is available at toiletwarrior.net. Uh, it's also available on Amazon. I've also recorded an audio book of it. If you want to keep listening to my dulcet tones <laughs> um, and there's an ebook of course, uh, which you would find on Amazon. Um, and yeah, that's, that's where you get it. And, uh, um, my, my broader all encompassing website called the smallest room, uh, probably the smallest room dot club. But anyway, that, that's, that website's currently in development. So at the moment, toiletwarrior.net is the place to find the book. Uh, but, you know, watch this space for the, for the um, all-encompassing website. Right. And how yeah. um, do you have social media or anything to share? Uh, yes. So this Toilet Warrior is, is a, a Facebook page. Um, and also the project that we run in my Rotary Club is called Operation Toilets. Uh, there's a website for Operation Toilets and there's also a Facebook page for Operation Toilets. Uh, we're, we're still trying to get our head around social media. There's so many options with, with, uh, with Twitter and Instagram and, and others that I don't understand and Facebook, of course. And, uh, uh, you could spend your life just posting, couldn't you? Um, you know, I will admit, you know, part of my business is to spend at least an hour or two a day, you know, on on the posting, on the interaction, on the participation, right. on the invitation. Yeah, mm, it is mm. that networking. Okay. So, yeah, yeah it's a, it does work, um, but you have got to be willing to put the time and effort into it. And, yep. you know, that, you know, yep. because it is about not just posting something, but you're sharing and inviting yeah. other people to yeah. share. And, yeah. you know, I mean, you, you just put out a post there and saying, you know, that many million people without toilet and running water. Yep. What impact do you think it has and invite people to write their comments? Yes. Because that's, yeah. you know, that you, you want to get people talking about it. That's right. I didn't know that many people in the world. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that many people in the world didn't have toilets. You yeah. know, I knew that there were many areas and I knew India because I'd done a show on that Africa because I've done a show on that because somebody was doing a porter toilet. So at least they didn't mm. have to just go into the ground. They were still going to the ground, but they would dig a ground and have actually a seat that was self-cleaning that they could actually sit on, which gave them more dignity. And mm. that came from a student, you know, who was mm. at university who decided that this was important. But mm. that's the last thing we think about toilets and running mm. water because it's so here for us and imagine go for a day without it <laughs> see how you last <laughs> yeah i mean for us it's this little room we go into spend as little time there as we can as we yeah. can possibly manage and then we get out quickly yes exactly now imagine you don't have it imagine you've got to go somewhere where somebody can see you and you can't wash yeah. your hands and yeah. then there's all the hygiene factor behind yeah. it right so yeah. please yeah. folks step outside of your comfort zone yeah. right 
and uh, do you would you want this for yourself would you want this for your children no then how about saying to the whole family okay instead of pocket money this week let's put it in the kitty and let's see how much we can raise and buy somebody a toilet imagine <laughs> you can i mean for my my children this year i bought a wheelchair and gifted that from my children for christmas mm. and you know, having that as, a, as a, a program on your site where people can buy a toilet and donate that, but they can do it as gifting it to someone. So instead of buying somebody a useless gift, they can gift a toilet to someone from that person in that person's name. Yes, yes, we, we would uh, always accept gifts like that. <laughs> exactly. But a bit setting it up that people can gift that. Yes. Right. Yes, because absolutely. that way, you know, I, I'm going to gift a toilet. I'm going to gift two toilets. I'm going to gift three toilets, you know, and that and it's going to be as a birthday gift or an anniversary gift to someone and say, look at the difference you've just made in someone's life. Happy birthday. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. And, and it and it really does work. And that's where also you can use Facebook with events of having a toilet raising fund of um, on events. Of, you know, we, we want to reach this amount for these amount of toilets for this school, have a picture of the school, even pictures of the kids and a blurb on, on what it's all about and invite people to donate. And when they understand the difference it makes, most of the time people don't do anything because they simply don't know. Yeah, that's right. You, it, it comes back to that idea. If you don't ask the question, you know, the answer can never be yes. It's the same sort of concept, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But people it have is. to know about it before they can decide whether or not to act. Yeah, exactly. So it's the toiletwarrior.net. Yep. You've also done a TED Talk, which is here on yes. your posting, so people can read yep. that, look at that. Um, operationtoilets.org.au for Australia. Yes. And uh, then you've got the Box Hill controlrotary.org. Box Hill Central. Box Hill Central. Sorry, Central. I'm reading it without my glasses. So <laughs> boxhillcentralrotary.org.au and Facebook, um, you've got uh, TIT Warrior, short for T -L -T. toilet. TLT. Is it TLT? Sorry, you have to tell me. I haven't got my glasses on. And then for Facebook, uh, We Cannot Wait. Yes, I couldn't get We Can't Wait. Someone, someone in America had that as, uh, as their page. They were having a baby about seven years ago. They got, the, uh, and they got that Facebook address and kept it. Haven't well, used it you since. know, cannot is the proper way of saying yes, it. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. This has been so enlightening. And oh, um, I'm certainly sharing your show along with, uh, you know, my, my Indian um, uh, counterparts that I've interviewed and there's um, Miguel who, who, who has done so much he's actually a journalist he's an environmental journalist and he's the one that did on you know toilets and everything else and I certainly want him to know about your project because oh, you're all in it together and yes. uh, you know and, and please folks please it doesn't matter you know how big the donation is you know he's going to set up a Facebook <laughs> donation page yes <clears throat> drop a few dollars those few dollars adds up, you know, you can put in how many dollars makes for each, each toilet. And just think about it. There's somebody who can go to school because there's a toilet there. Yeah. The hygiene of not getting sick is because they have water now. And you think about yeah. that coronavirus out there right now and literally the hygiene, the cleansiness of not touching anything literally can save your life. Well, think about what it can do for a child's life, for a community's life and what, how we can make their lives better. Think about that for a moment and then tap into your consciousness and dip into your wallet. 
Thanks so much for, for saying that, Sarah. And it's been, it's been a really, that's been a great conversation. I've enjoyed having a chat. I have to thank you very much for what you're doing. It's very, very important. You know, your story matters. And, you know, this is an environmental issue. This is um, a humanitarian issue. You know, this is a logical hygiene issue. There are so many issues here. And every single one of them has a solution if we are all willing just to step up and just be a part of it. Yep. Absolutely. In whatever way. In whatever and, it'll make you, and it'll make you feel really good too. So you could almost <gasps> say you're being selfish by doing it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> there is somebody that's going to school because of you. There's somebody's life being saved because of the hiding of a toilet and running water. If that doesn't make you feel good, nothing will. Yep. <laughs> Thanks again, Sarah. Uh, thank you so much. And to everyone else, remember, this isn't everybody else's problem. This is the whole planet's problem. If we have sickness, we have slavery, we have disease, we have people being uneducated in the world, it affects all of us in the end. So let's all of us be the solution. One drop in the bucket, a whole bucket, whatever you feel like, but please step up and be a part of this. Share the show, get educated, invite the support, and let's see what we can do making a difference in the lives of others. Until next time, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. Do visit us at www.discoveringcommunities.org and see all the other wonderful shows that we have on our Orchard of Wisdom on Self-Discovery. And do check out our mentors with all the wonderful services they have for you. Until next time.